2: Tonight, sweeping reforms in Parliament as the House considers far-reaching proposals that will hand more power to opposition political parties, including chairmanship of the committee responsible for approving appointments of incumbent president.
3: Mr. Speaker, for instance, the appointment committee, it is a beautiful idea that the committee is now chaired by uh, a member from a party that is not forming
2: government. We have details as Parliament proposes to probe independent constitutional bodies like the Electoral Commission and SRAGE on the floor of the House, just like ministers. In this day and age where
3: constitutional bodies are playing very key roles, and there must be a mechanism for holding them accountable, we will deny ourselves an opportunity to use the tools of parliamentary processes to hold these institutions accountable if we don't grant them audience.
4: This is Top Story with Evans Mensah.
2: And Top Story is always brought to you by Vodafone. They are sweeping reforms that will put more power in the hands of opposition political parties in Parliament, including granting them chairmanship of the Parliamentary Committee responsible for approving appointments of incumbent president. Now, Parliament has today been considering far-reaching amendments to its standing orders. Currently, the Appointments Committee is chaired by the first Deputy Speaker, who since the inception of the Fourth Republic has always belonged to the party in government. Also, Parliament is proposing to probe independent constitutional bodies like the EC and Straj on the floor of the House just like ministers. Parliamentary Affairs Correspondent Kweku Asante uh, joins us right now with more on these proposals. Kweku, some of the changes make for interesting reading, including a Committee for
4: Ways and Means. Right, Evans. You know, in the U.S. and in other set developed jurisdictions, there's that Committee for Ways and Means. They do varied things. For instance, in the U.S., the Committee of Ways and Means Right Tax Bill. But the Ghanaian, the Ghanaian Parliament is introducing a Ways and Means Committee as the supervisor of all other committees in Parliament. In fact, if you look at the proposal in, 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 in that Parliament is considering now, they say that the committee is responsible for monitoring the activities of all parliamentary committees and apportioning funds from money allocated for carrying out programs approved in the budget of the respective committees. Currently, the dispensation is that if committees want to do anything, they would have to go through the clerk of parliament or the clerk to parliament. Parliament wants to take this power from, from the clerk, who is not an elected official, and give it to elected MPs. So the Committee on Ways and Means will be looking at some of these issues. In fact, MPs have been raising concerns about the name. They say that ways and means say a lot of things about underhand dealings, among other things, but the Speaker of Parliament says they've, not, they've struggled to find and nomenclature that fits the specifics of what they want to do with this committee, and that is why they are sticking with the name Committee on Ways and Means.
3: The review standing orders is also establishing a committee on ethics and standards. It's also establishing a committee on development and the economy. Establishing a committee, a, a budget, a committee. Uh, the review standing order is establishing budget, a committee also, is also establishing a committee on ways and means. Is establishing a committee on independent constitutional body. Mr. Speaker, for instance, the appointment committee, it is a beautiful idea that the committee is now chaired by uh, a member from a party that is not forming government. Um, as uh, captured. But I was also of the view that with regards to ministers who have been vetted and approved by the committee, if they are reshuffled one way or the other, we do refer them back to the committee.
2: Very interesting proposals there, including uh, a change from the current standing orders uh, where only ministers are allowed to answer questions on the floor. Parliament is seeking to extend this to cover independent constitutional bodies. Like the electoral commission and strange what more do we know
4: exactly Evans. and even before i, I, I go there talking about these committees you just had the habib Greece talking about the appointment committee to be chaired by the, the by the party in opposition parliament agreed that finance committee committee on defense and interior committee on foreign affairs a new committee to be called committee committee on security and intelligence committee on pensions must all be chaired by the governing party by the public accounts committee Committee on Subsidia Legislation, Committee on Government and Parliamentary Assurances, a new committee to be called the Budget Committee, which will now be, be, be scrutinizing the budget of the government and also to ensure that the budget has been implemented properly. As well as the Appointment Committee will all now be chaired by the party in opposition, the party not controlling the government, while the other committee will be shared by, the, by virtue of the numbers in Parliament. And so that has to do with, sure. with, with some of the issues with the committee. When it comes to the matters having to do with constitutional bodies, electoral commission strides, MPs have been consistently raising issues about how they are unable to scrutinise their activities. The only time they are able to do so is when these constitutional bodies are bringing their budget through the special budget committee. But now, with the revision of this new standing orders, what will happen is that Madam Dimsdale can be asked a question by any member of Parliament, and she will have to appear on the floor just like ministers do. And answer the questions. And in the opinion of Mahamaya Gaembi for Boko Central, that is a brilliant change that must be supported.
3: I recall the debate that took place around the question of whether heads of independent constitutional bodies should be admitted in this house. And I recall I was one of those that had doubts about whether or not we could allow them to appear before us. But clearly, Mr. Speaker, in this day and age where constitutional bodies are playing very key roles, and there must be a mechanism for holding them accountable, we will deny ourselves an opportunity to use the tools of parliamentary processes to hold these institutions accountable if we don't grant them audience. And so the proposal that allows us to give audience to independent constitutional bodies to appear before us, given that they are not under sector ministers and the existing rules only allow sector ministers to appear before us and answer questions. If we stick to the existing rules, we'll deny ourselves the opportunity to hold independent constitutional bodies accountable by the mechanisms of parliamentary oversight that
2: are known to and quickly, I'm interested in the Finance Committee, very powerful committee. But there's a proposal now to break that committee
4: down. Down now, what would it look like? In fact, Evans, the committee will now, in terms of its powers, be whittled and said among new committees. For instance, there's going to be a new committee on Economy and Development Planning, a new committee on Public Administration and State Interest, and a number of new committees. Uh, for instance, the Committee on Budget. In the past. Everything having to do with finance, tax waivers, everything went to the Finance Committee, which made it very powerful. And in fact, the majority and the minorities have all said that a number of new MPs who come to Parliament always say they want to go to the Finance Committee because of what they think they will benefit when they go there. And because of this, Parliament is taking some of those powers away from the Committee and dividing it among other, other, other committees. According to the Chairman of the Roads and Transport Committee, this is incredible because even when he himself came to Parliament, That is the committee he wanted to be on.
3: You see one committee, you ask yourself as a speaker every day, like myself. I used to, when I I, I became a member of parliament, the first thing that I said I want to be on committee of finance, you ask yourself, why do you want to be on committee of finance? Uh, Somebody said, I want to be on committee energy. You can always have a limited number of people on each committee.
2: And Parliament is also now expected to have a committee on security and intelligence. The Greater Crown Regional Minister has some concerns on this. What's his concern exactly?
4: This is going to be a committee that is sort of going to be a breakaway from the larger Defence and Interior Committee. It is smothered and shaped in the, in the line of the committees of intelligence that we have in the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives where they are going to receive periodic briefings on national security and, and, and security and intelligence matters. The Greater foreign Minister says that there's a lot of politicization of issues in this country. He wants members who be on that committee to at least swear an oath of secrecy or to sign to some document documents before divulging national security information to the public.
5: We have a committee on defence and interior. Mr. Speaker, clearly security and intelligence is a different ballgame altogether. May I suggest that though members of parliament and ministers of state may have sworn different votes of uh, secrecy and all that, that members who will be selected to be on this committee, there should be a clause, Mr. Speaker, to, as it were, guide them from divulging confidential information that may harm. Um, the security of the nation. The speaker. I say so because oftentimes we meet at committee levels, ordinary committee levels, your your committee in parliament, and discussions that are held there are brought in the open, public discussions. So, Mr. Speaker, this particular committee has to be looked at carefully, and members who go on it must be made to sign something to assure Mr. Speaker that should they divulge any matter, any sensitive matter that comes to their attention during the course of their performing their duties, Mr. Speaker, that you they will be sanctioned. Mr. Speaker, I think this is a very important area that we have to look at. They cannot play politics of the national security of this country. Mr. Speaker, thank you very much.
2: And, and very quickly, so has this been approved now?
4: So the committee report has now been adopted. In fact, Dr. Domenica and the speaker in the past had had some disagreement as to whether or not this should be by resolution or be by subsidiary legislation. They all now agree that this must be by resolution. So the committee report has not been adopted. It is expected that in the coming days, a resolution will be taken. But I sense a general consensus among all MPs. Some of the MPs, for instance, who have been talking to me, say that, for instance, when it comes to the appointment committee to now be chaired by a minority MP, they feel like maybe you're and it's supposed playing a smart game there he believes no big appointments are going to come from the government at the twilight of its term. And so this is this is to, 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 to sort of predict a future NPP party in opposition so that it'll be, they'll be getting some of these powerful committees. But in general, almost all of them agree that this must go through. The report has not been adopted. It's expected that in the coming days, the resolution will be taken. And as the Speaker of Parliament has said, in the next meeting, which will commence at the end of... October or early November then this new standing or this will
2: Okay, and thankfully we can now bring in the former uh, oh. deputy Attorney General, who is also Member of Parliament for Bogatanga East, who today was on his feet as part of the debate on the floor. Joins us right now, Dr. Dominic Ayene. I'm grateful for your time here on Top Story.
6: Thank you, Evans, for having
2: me. Also joining us is Dr. Rashid Dramani, he's executive director of the Africa Centre for Parliamentary Affairs. And Doctor Ayene, let me start with you. You know what they say, if it end broke, don't fix. What is broken about the existing standing orders that you're proposing such sweeping changes?
6: Well, uh, the existing standing orders have, be- have been uh, with us since the inception of the Fourth Republic in uh, 1992, and they were supposed to amplify um, the powers, the constitutional powers, you know, granted to Parliament under the Constitution, and to regulate the procedures of, uh, you know, the practices and procedures of Parliament. Um, as you understand, we've done 30 years with these standing orders. There have been gaps in the implementation, and therefore there was a need for us to update them, to bring them up to speed, not only with respect to um, our own, you know, practices and procedures, but also in tandem with, you know, best practices in other parliaments, you know, of, of the world, and that is what informed um, the decision to review them. In fact, even the decision was taken way back in 2000 uh, by Speaker Lagetti. Uh, he thought that um, after just a few years under a decade of, uh, you know, implementation, there was a need for them to be updated. And so the updating of the standing orders actually dates to the year 2000, but they have been substantially modified, you know, as far as, uh, um, you know, the, the, the draft that we have is concerned. So, for instance, I'll give you a concrete example. Um, I'm sure you are familiar with the, uh, the, the constitutional provision relating to the service of process on members. Criminal and civil processes on members of parliament, mm. and uh, back and forth between parliament and the judiciary regarding what is. That- if you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on
1: top, then they'll boost it by three percent. You can do that. And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get three percent on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at robinhood.com/boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply.
0: Investing involves risk. Three percent match requires goal for one year from first match must keep
6: right for five years match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions Hood financial llc member sipc right uh, procedure so currently uh, in the draft standing orders we have tried to amplify um, article 117 which is the i mean a constitutional provision dealing with service of process and basically uh, seek to make it very clear how i mean uh, services to be effective so for instance we are now providing for a situation where if we're in recess, all right, um, the immunities under the constitution will virtually not apply, uh, but if the member is served with a criminal or civil process, okay, there is a duty placed on the registrar to inform Mr. Speaker about the service of the process on that, uh, I mean, a member. And so we are also, I mean, uh, seeking to exact more accountability. And, and I remember your reporter. Mentioning the Appointments Committee the fact that we are now proposing that the appointment committee be headed by you know a, I mean a, a chairperson drawn from the minority side Okay, meaning that there will be no um, Situation where because of the alignment of uh, you know, the uh, Majority side with the government there may be situations where appointees come they have issues you know, and those issues may be swept swept under the carpet because the chairman is run from the majority side that is aligned to the government. So there are a number of changes there that are quite and interesting, one of, and, and yes, I'm sure and, you and take time to and, and
2: one of the changes that caught my attention is this one that, in essence, proposes to exert a bit more authority over independent constitutional bodies like the Electoral Commission. The Electric Commission will quickly cite you to the possibility well, of you violating um, the Constitutional Provision Article 46. Uh, yes. where, and they keep citing that, which says, except as provided in this Constitution or in any other law not consistent with this Constitution in the performance of its functions, the Electoral Commission shall not be subject to the direction or control of any person or authority. Yet you want them now to be appearing before you on the floor like
6: ministers and <laughs> questioning <laughs> them a bit more. Well, Evans, well, there is no intention whatsoever on the, on the part of Parliament to exert control or give direction to any you know, of the, the, the independent constitutional bodies, right? But, I mean, um, our remit relates specifically to the fact that the appropriations is usually, you know, done by um, parliament, okay, when the minister, of, uh, the minister of finance presents the budget. And then the special budget committee then meets with the independent constitutional bodies in order to deal with issues relating to their I mean their appropriations. Sometimes there are issues of accountability. So we vote money for the Electoral Commission. That money has been spent. Um are you suggesting that asking for the Electoral Commission to account for how it has spent that money for uh, you know for purposes of the next appropriation bill um is something that will infringe upon their independence as as I mean a as a um, well, uh, I mean, as, as a body under the constitution, I don't think so. I think that we would, I mean, have been infringing the constitution if we are seeking to direct the electoral commission as to how to perform its functions. All right, if they, I mean, a core mandate of conducting elections. If we were, so, I mean, uh, seeking to direct them by dragging them to this house to question them on the manner in which they have been performing their functions. In that way, we will be infringing the Constitution. But where our mandate is limited to the appropriations and how monies you know, are released by Parliament to these independent constitutional bodies you know, have been spent, I don't think that will be in any way uh, acting outside the ambit of the Constitution.
2: I mean, Doc, please stay with me. I want to bring in Dr. Rashid the Executive Director of the Africa Centre for Parliamentary Affairs. What, what do you make of these sweeping changes? Really fundamental, far-reaching. Um, and one of the things that, again, caught my attention is that this proposed uh, standing order, which is now being reviewed, will hand more power to the opposition party um currently we a few committees are chaired by the opposition party like the assurances committee like the Subsidial legislation they are adding a bit more to this now including the appointments committee um mm. which is the committee that approves the appointments of incumbent president and this you know budget committee that they are also going to form is is that a good idea in a in a highly polarized political environment like ours
7: well I mean uh, Evans thank you very much uh well let me say I mean far-reaching as it is i don't think that i think they've even gone far enough as uh, some of us would have loved uh because i mean for instance if you look at the the committees that i mean going forward opposition parties would chair. uh you know some of us would have loved to see uh, a lot more you know kind of uh, uh, real um um, oversight committees so for instance the committee on health the committee on education uh, and so on and so forth that I mean that is how uh, some countries in East Africa uh, have been conducting uh, their parliamentary affairs lately I mean having said that I think let me commend first of all the leadership of Parliament because as uh, Dr. doctor has indicated you know the attempt to review these standing orders I mean, it started way back. I mean, our center did some work. Uh, CDD did some work. Many other institutions did uh, work with parliament. And each time uh, the, the revisions are about to take place, then parliament uh, gets dissolved and then we start all over again. So let me commend the leadership of parliament this time around for making sure that this has happened. Uh, let me also say... Uh, you know, apart from all the other matters that have been have been uh, discussed, I think the, the standing orders have i mean done very well in terms of clarifying uh, a number of things that uh, seems to be gaps in our in the current standing orders i mean for instance, now we have time for back benches uh, the role of the speaker I see the emphasis on consensus building. Uh, you know sanctions for uh, breaching uh, uh, parliamentary privileges and contempt of parliament and so on. But one one uh, in that also uh, got my attention I think uh, is now the you know, abdullah versus the Attorney General, now it has found its way into the new standing orders so that deputy speakers when they are presiding uh, can vote. I mean some clarity has been brought to that and uh, and you know and many others uh, events but one of the things that I would have loved to see because I was part of this process I mean the committee that the write speaker set up I contributed uh, my little quota and I was hoping one of the committees that I advised them uh, to set up is a committee of the future which is uh, a committee that exists for instance in the Parliament of Finland that sits down and assumes and imagines the future of our country, and try to uh, see maybe what I mean how Parliament should position itself. Uh, I didn't see that, so that is one little disappointment that that I have. But also, I think uh, Evans, if you remember, before uh, you know we got clarity in terms of who is majority and who is minority in this uh, Eighth Parliament, there was a lot of back and forth. Our the current standing orders never anticipated a hung parliament, you know. So I was hoping that that also would have been dealt with in terms of uh, trying to give some clarity to the definition of uh, of these I mean, things, so that tomorrow we don't get wake up and then we are before a situation and then I mean speakers are struggling to give interpretation. And so on and so forth but overall i think uh, a good move and i hope that we can improve on it i mean as uh, as we go along i
2: mean dr dominican you are a politician so let me ask you that question i started off um, with uh, dr rashid romani uh, so you may which one you may well be in government in 2025 and you'll be handing control of the appointments committee to your opponents um how how, how did you get consensus around this
6: Well, I think the consensus was built around the values, the fundamental values of the Constitution. Um, uh, You would agree that the Constitution um, has a number of core fundamental values, including accountability and, and transparency. And therefore, we want to exact as much accountability as possible. So if a president nominates, okay, and you have, as I've said, you know, the president's party presiding, Most of the time, the tendency um, is for the chairman to be protective of the nominees of the president. All right. But we want a situation where um, the chairperson, being from the opposition, will have no motivation whatsoever to want to protect the nominees and then, uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, not let the entire picture regarding the competence, you know, and uh, capabilities of the nominee, you know, to be brought to public limelight. The vetting process. It's a process that is to enable the Ghanaian people, you know, assess the competence, you know, capabilities and qualifications of persons nominated by the president for various executive positions, for judicial positions in the case of judges and so on and so forth. And so we think that this is going to accord, you know, I mean, uh, centrally with the core values of the constitution in terms of exacting accountability and transparency
2: and when do you hope that this will be passed Um, from what i understand the committee's report has been adopted now does it mean that it's been most most
6: likely um either tomorrow or early next week the resolution will be adopted and once the the resolution has been adopted i mean uh, uh, adopted and passed then um the the new standing orders would have kicked into force but of course they will have to go to the printer uh, the government printer or some designated printer for them to be printed out uh, for use by members of parliament. And so, I mean, uh, I'm sure very soon, um, maybe by October, when we resume work in Parliament, the new standing orders will be in force.
2: On, on the on the points regarding independent constitutional bodies, were there any, any consultations with them? Were their views sought before this was was put? Well, in there
6: was, yes, there was a technical, uh, you know, a technical committee that was set up. You know, and my information is that the technical committee met with uh, I don't know whether some or all of them uh before the the in the, the proposals were put into the new I mean a standing orders.
2: And uh, very briefly, uh, Dr. Rashid Dramani. now, so this is, is home and dry. You say you wanted more, but you take what you currently have. How much of a difference will this make, though? Because there's real fear, for example, that you have the appointments committee, for well, one of the most important committees, if you have the opposition party chairing it, that can also produce great luck if the opposition party in an environment such as we have uh, decides to use that authority and control to frustrate an incumbent government.
7: Well, I I I don't think so, Evans. I don't think so because, uh, as you know, uh, at the end of the day, even after the appointments committee has done its work, I mean, the whole matter has to go back to the plenary, and the plenary takes uh, the the final decision. So I don't think there are any fears there. Uh, it's just similar to how the public accounts committee is chaired by somebody from the opposition, and it looks into, I mean, the books of government, and, uh, and I don't think that that has created. In a, in a great log i mean and uh, and as we are on the matter of the appointments committee, I was also pleased to see that you know some of the uh, kind of uh, suggestions that we were making in terms of uh, making sure that you know um, people who belong to committees uh, that i mean have uh, oversight over the the potential kind of uh, appointees have i mean should have some say. In terms of, uh, I mean, uh, the, the proceedings of the appointments committee, as is done in many other jurisdictions, I mean, the new standing orders has taken some steps. I mean, even if not uh, complete, to give the opportunity to people from other oversight committees that have concern or that are related to the, the portfolio that the, the nominee is going to occupy, at least to have a say during the the appointment. So, all good uh, events. Uh, uh-huh. For thank, me, you, thank you. I think it's all good, but I think I would have loved to see more. To see
2: more. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Rashid Draman and Dr. Dominic Kayene. Uh, this has been done on your behalf. Let me hear from you. 0551111997. News night in a minute.
4: Hey, you ever buy credits where you get up to 20?
2: Tax day is coming. Oh, no.